Coming to you live from Kudu Studios with Vian Isaac. It's Sounds About Music. Sounds About Life. How to create a second album featuring Vian Isaac and guests. Hello, everybody. My name is Vian Isaac, and this is Sounds About Music. I am so excited about today's show. I have my friend Dan Rousseau, who is the photographer for the Vian Isaac Project and for Juniper Vale. And then I have Sarah Jane from Juniper Vale, who joins us about halfway through on today. And we talk about photography, art, marketing, and then we take a deep dive into the philosophy behind music, songwriting, and creating something that evokes emotion. I would really encourage you guys to stick around to the end. This was one of the most enjoyable podcasts that I've been a part of. As always, if you want to hear the full podcast, join my album number two club by going to vianisaac.com slash sounds about music. Not only do you get the full podcast and a bunch of behind the scenes footage and demos, but you are directly helping me create my second album. Without any further ado, Dan Rousseau, Sarah Jane in this week's podcast. Hello, everybody. I am so excited to be here with Dan Rousseau. Dan is a good friend of mine. He does all of the photography for the Vian Isaac Project and for the Juniper Vale Project. He is a marketer and photographer and an artist in his own right. I'm actually also working with him right now on some music that's yes. due to be out later this year. So, Dan, welcome. I'm super grateful that you're on this podcast. Thank you. You don't know how blessed I am to be on this thing. I am a big fan, listen all the time. Oh, so, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, that's great. So, we hung out earlier this week and sort of started talking about art. Mm. And I was like, man, these conversations are really ones that we should be having with the microphone in front of our faces. <laughs> so uh, we can kind of capture some of that. Yeah. So I just want to dive a little bit into first what you do as a marketer. I know you work with some some pretty solid people, some, some true artists, mm. and then... As a photographer, you work with us and then dive into your own stuff. And then let's just kind of chat about art and kind of chat about what we think uh, all this is about. So maybe we can start with what what you do when it comes to marketing. Totally. Yeah. So so I work for an awesome company called Wander Creative um, and we do digital marketing, content creation and social media management for um, it primarily started with uh, a lot of, you know, the CCM industry. And, um, and where we do still a lot of work there, we have kind of expanded and broadened a little bit to local business and, um, and different artistry. We're starting to potentially maybe look into kind of film. And, and so, so it's been a really cool journey uh, there. So my role there is marketing coordinator. Um, and I do a lot of our, um, I mean, marketing uh, plot twist. Shouldn't have spoiled it. It's too soon. Um, but I also do all of our adver paid advertising um, promotional stuff. Uh, I also do a lot of photography stuff, some videography. So um, luckily I get to wear a lot of hats, and it's a lot of fun to um, to do that. I think as we expand, it's cool because I'm also starting to really dig that um, kind of rut or, like, avenue of advertising and kind of really starting to – make that a priority uh, mm. at work. So advertising is kind of the main thing I'm researching and doing on the day-to-day. -day. And so that's awesome. So so what what are some of the things that you see 
you know, we have some folks that listen that are artists and that are mm. creatives. So what are some things without giving away any business secrets that you sort of wish more people knew about when it came to marketing? I, I feel like for mm. myself, I put so much energy into making the music, yeah. but I see so often that so much passion goes into making the music yeah. and then there's almost no thought into that goes into yeah. you know how are you going to present this music to yeah. the world so i'd be curious what you kind of see with that and what your thoughts are on that totally well i think there's a few elements to it i think a huge aspect of it is you have to tell a story like if you're not walking people through a story you they it, it'll fall on deaf ears hmm. um it might be a great product but if you don't give them an introduction a middle and an end and, and walk them through the heart and the the emotion the all of that stuff um it it will lose a lot of its luster. Hmm. And I think another thing I would, I would encourage um, artists to remember is that I, think, I feel like a lot of times people think of marketing, people think of social media. They're like, all right, I'll pay money on this. And if I pay that money, I want to see a return. It's like, no, it's, it's a long game. Like hmm. social media um, and even, an, you know, many aspects of advertising is it's a long game. Like you're investing hmm. for... Um, recognition of brand you're investing in people to start to like realize who you are and um and i think with all of that it's like hey you're not going to get that same dollar amount return but it's it's something that you have to do so it's the scary aspect of i think explaining advertising to social media managers like hire us to do this you know like at wonder creative we're like we can do a killer job at like social media and like all of this stuff and content creation and and they're like all right great like we want that return it's like also hold up like we can really lead you there but um but i think a big aspect is you know it's much more than just immediately getting your return but it's it's getting your brand out to the world it's getting your your name out there and your art form and um yeah making sure people hear it the way it should be heard, um, seen the way it should be seen so that uh, people really engage. You know, I feel like anyone nowadays can just like buy Instagram followers, but but it's effective marketing that'll really, you know, <coughs> get people interested, become real fans, become mm. people who will buy tickets, people who will, you know, you know, I don't know join in in your brand. Mm. So, mm. yeah, so I think it's a few different <coughs> elements for sure, but I, I totally resonate with that and i actually have not thought of that mm. and and a lot of what what i've done with the vian isaac project at first i am a very sort of mathematical guy so i would be like okay when am i going to get the return on this yeah. on this kind of putting the brand out there mm. and very recently probably six months ago i started getting an inkling of that i couldn't put my finger on it until just now when you said that mm. when i realized there is some sort of a, a a price or there's a budget you need to budget just for for the brand recognition mm. right to have because the world is so busy and so there's so much content out there nowadays that just to kind of keep up with uh keeping your brand in front of people mm -hmm. there is just an upkeep cost it's almost like an upkeep cost yeah you know so well, and that's, that's fascinating. It's so saturated, you know, <clears throat> mm -hmm. the world. It's like now with, with the way technology is gone, everyone can be a creator. Mm. Everyone can be a photographer. Everyone can be a musician. You know, it's like, so now, because everyone can be anything, how are you going to stand out? Mm. And that's such a, you know, that's, that's kind of where we step in is, is to say, let's, let's get this 
you know, in front of some people the right way and let's hmm. get people truly interested in, in what you're creating. Wow. You know, wow. so, yeah. Oh, dude, that's cool. Um, so when it comes to your photography stuff, mm -hmm. is that is that something you do with your company or is that something you also do on the side or you, you do both, right? Yeah, well, it was wild. Was I mean, out of college, <laughs> I started to get in photography, I think, yeah, it was, it was halfway through college, so like my sophomore year or whatever. Um, and then... I really did it as a hobby. I, I became a project manager, a project manager at another uh, faith-based company, mm -hmm. um, and so I, I always kind of pursued photography as just a hobby, something I loved. Like I loved hiking, and I loved taking these pictures of waterfalls, and and you know, finding ways I could make reality seem not real. You know, and I think that was kind of the fun challenge. I, some people try to do the opposite. They try to like. You know, they try to take something and be like, all right, like, let's make this as, you know, and, and I was like, no, I want to blow this up and make this look like a dream, you know, and so I even learned about, lens. this is getting way too in the thick of it. No, but go for it. <clears throat> I learned about, like, lens compression, which is, I mean, we, I know we had had a brief discussion about it, but essentially what it is, is so many people, like, when they go to the mountains, they're like, I want to take this wide angle lens so I can capture everything, and you're like, all right. But if you think about that, the wide-angle lens is gonna sh is gonna basically give you like this panoramic view. Great, you know that might be what you want. But what that does is that takes away some of the beauty of, you know, like I feel like everyone has seen like that beautiful sunset or the big old moon, and then you're like, I'm gonna take a picture, and you take a picture. It's like a like a speck of dust, and you're like, this is the most. <laughs> like, there's the moon, <laughs> that, that tiny the, little yeah, dot. Like if you squint. <laughs> like the most disappointing <laughs> picture of your life when it was such a beautiful moment and i think that that's what that's what a wide angle does is it takes something that's beautiful and vast and majestic and it shrinks it and so i learned about lens compression a few years back and it's basically saying that if you take instead of like a wide angle next to someone that's in front of the mountains if you take a like 200 millimeter or 300 millimeter lens and you get far away from your subject but zoom in on them so they're still filling up the frame what that does is that actually crops the background to be ginormous. So, like, if there are giant mountains behind you guys and you get far away from your subject and you take a portrait of them with a zoom lens, that mountain is going to film the fill the entire frame of the photo. But, like, if it's a wide angle next to someone who's in front of them, they will look like tiny little, like, ant peaks in the background. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's stuff like that that says I want to... You know what it actually is now that I'm processing it? I think it's... I want to take, you know, I, I think, you know, people always, like, are so proud of, like, this is, like, no edits on this photo. It's like, well, your photos don't capture proper color. Hmm. So, like, my goal in, in color grading is to bring the colors back to what the human eye saw. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's the majesty behind it. I know that kind of goes against what I just said in making it dreamy. But no, like, I, actually you know, think, I actually think that's, that's brilliant. Maybe that gets into a little bit of... Um, uh, subjective perspective, mm -hmm. right? So everything is subjective in the way you perceive it. Mm -hmm. And so my perception of a night where uh, it's a party or whatever, or a, let's say it's a starlit night and, and I'm out, right? Mm -hmm. My perception of that night can be completely different. Yeah. If I'm having a great night and I'm with someone that I love, it, all of a sudden... The, the perception of that night is totally different than if I had just mm. suffered a loss and I'm looking at the stars 
Yes. With the, with the, with the loss suffered, I actually think you see the world differently based on your subjective sort of yeah. current state, and so I totally agree. I don't think what you said That's contradicted yourself at no. all okay. because because uh, the whole no filter thing is actually very mechanical and very mm. uh, it's actually less real. Yeah, because the more real thing. <laughs> And I've never thought about this. I'm processing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, that's why I love doing this. Uh, the more real thing would be to bring it back to how you felt yep. when you took that picture. Yeah. That's that's what it's about. Totally. And, and that's the thing is like, I mean, it's exactly the same thing as what we had talked about with the moon and the sun. It's like, so you're proud of your no filter photo. And yet your eyes saw a much bigger moon than that photo showed. So how so how are you proud of that? Like that that photo is a less good version of reality. Mm. So mm. so my coloration, my bringing the mountains to be bigger, you know, and like instead of like that wide angle, that's not how your eyes work. Your eyes aren't white. I mean, like yeah, they have a wide angle technically, but you see big mountains. You don't see tiny little dust in the background. Mm. And so <clears throat> I love bringing that to people. Say that looks majestic, and I say no, that's how it looked. Mm. You know, like mm. I just I was able to kind of bring it back, resurrect it almost. I love and so, that too. so yeah, so to kind of long, long-term answer your question, uh, photography was always a hobby. And then it was really cool because I, I you know, got um, the name of, of my company, Wander Creative, um, from someone and interviewed. And it was great because it was such an awesome time in the company where they said like, well, you know, like we, we need someone to advertise, but also, you know, if you have talent in photography or you know you want to learn more about videography or whatever it is or graphic design for social media like go for it like let you know shine which is so cliche um but it was awesome and so that was when it kind of got to merge roads i, I didn't do much freelance photography um before and so and and even now I, I mostly do it um for people i love and then aside from that it's uh like no here's my business card <laughs> like you know um and so yeah but it's been really great uh, to kind of see. I was always worried that bringing photography into business would make me lose passion for it. Mm. Like, like mm. no, where the beauty is is that I get to do it for fun and like on hikes. And it's been cool to see that it hasn't like that flame hasn't gone out. Yeah. Um, just because it's, you know, like a job at this mm -hmm. point, or mm -hmm. you have to do this to this level. And it's no, it's it's always been a pleasure. So. Uh, dude, I, I totally get that too for myself when it comes to music. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, and and I think there were definitely periods in my life where I would say probably right when I graduated mm. for about six months, you know, being here in the studio, I don't think I'd ever spent five or six consecutive like 10 hour days in the mm -hmm. studio, you know, yeah. because when you're in college, you've got class, you're going out, hanging with friends so i would be in the studio but just whenever i had like time in out and out and all of a sudden i was probably about three months in to like working six days a week mm -hmm. you know 10 hour days every yeah. day and it did hit me and i was like dang like i feel different about this and i don't think i felt negative about it but i felt different mm -hmm. i was like man there's it feels like running a long distance marathon to some degree, yeah. you know, like it feels like, okay, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. But then, uh, I eventually got over that feeling yeah. and, uh, there is just something quite wonderful about getting to do what you love 
Yeah. As your job. Yeah, you know? I, I totally agree. I think it's like a recalibration almost because I think what you described, I felt a little bit at my old job and it was kind of like a, oh, wait, like adulting is real. It's just, you know, like, oh, wait, I have like I I need to eat, you know, so then you're like um, and, and you're right in that like college is I mean, you can everyone has different college experience, but mine was very much so like I'm going to get my homework done now so I can go on a hike, you know, and like it, that was kind of it. And I think you learned um, it was more also like I, I was passionate about journalism in college, so it never felt like I was really doing homework. Like mm. I was like, no, I'm doing this project, which I love, and then I'm going to go out and hike or take photos or do content creation of some sort. Um, and so but then, like you said, it's like once you get a handle of adult life and then you're like, but wait, when it comes down to earning a living, this is the best way to yes. do it. Like, uh, and that's, I don't know. I, th- I feel like we both feel that. Yeah. yeah. Like work has, work is no longer work. I mean, yeah, there are stressful cool. times, but you know, it's, it's just incredible that we get to do what we do and create what we create. And it really is, man. It's awesome. And, and I, I, I think I take it for granted a lot. So yeah. but more recently I've started mm-hmm. really realizing that this is just wonderful. So, oh, you know what? Actually, I wanted to ask you this yes. before uh, before we move on to music stuff. Yeah. When it comes to photography, mm. what maybe talk a little bit about, and this is just more for the fans and that kind of thing, sure. but there was a shoot that we did for Juniper Vale and the Vion Isaac Project oh, with fire <laughs> and that kind of thing. There was. And it's it was such a fun thing to be a part of. I'd I'd be curious what your take was on that. If you've done stuff like that before, you you hadn't done no. anything like that before. <laughs> no, it was uh, it's so fun to to do shoots with different people. Um, yeah, like everyone brings such a different vision, and I love that. If there's one thing about, I guess the photography projects I've done with artists, it's always like I'm down for as weird as it can be. And the more weird it is, typically the more fun I have. Um, people are like, yeah, I want to sit on a railroad and like look super 2001. It's like, <laughs> okay, uh, that's probably the most boring shoot I could dream of. <laughs> but then it's like people are like, I want like flames. And I think I want like a, you guys were like, I want a festival vibe. And I was like, Chinese New Year's. <laughs> Chinese New Year's. And I was like, let's see how we can get some paper dragons in on here. And I was like, wait a minute. I had seen a lot of photography on you know, like lighting steel wool on fire and like whipping it around. So like if you do a long exposure, it looks like these like strings of flames are coming out. And I was like, but I want to do that in a creative way. Like I feel like if you Google up like steel wool photography, people are like, yeah, I've seen that. But like how can we make this weird and like crazy? I mean, I've done shoots where uh, this really talented artist and she is so down for like anything weird. So I was like, what if we like glued dead bugs to your face and like put you in the woods she was like i'm so down so we no joke ordered like a bunch of dead butterflies and like glued them to her face stuck her in the woods and it was like one of the coolest shoots so like i just love that every artist is so different but then like if it's a weird shoot i promise you it's gonna be cool like i haven't had a a bad weird shoot yet so i mean i think that the that one was so unique like i had never done fire in a artist shoot before and that was just terrifying because you're like our cops gonna like see flames like exploding out you know and we just dodged the cop <laughs> yes because right. we, we were we we had to relight it and so we took a break for a second and literally in the two or three minute span <laughs> that we took a break a cop drove past and we were like hey yeah hi <laughs> we're just we're just shooting no we're, fire though just. we aren't playing with fire <laughs> we're just christian kids hanging out you know <laughs> oh, that's just awesome. god-fearing people <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, that that was really fun. So yeah. I, I'm super grateful that you. Uh, that was a blast. I that you helped us out with that. I appreciate that was, you guys calling on me. It was, yeah. that was a fun one. Yeah. By the way, Sarah's sitting in the room too. <coughs> she is live audience. <gasps> yes, I her forgot hair about that. And then we like put it over. Like, no, your hair's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with your hair. And there was definitely like. Tufts. I was definitely like, no, your your hair's fine. Like, didn't touch your hair. Wow, close call. And then there's like a bald chunk. You're like, oh, uh, do you want to do you want to be in on this? I can we'll set up a mic it. for you. Dan, would you be okay with that? Yes, please. Good friend. Hello, listener. So Sarah Jane ended up joining us, and I put up a microphone for her. But I accidentally forgot to turn off the reverb on her voice. So she sounds like she's in a tunnel. So apologies for that, but just enjoy it. She had some wonderful things to say. And let's jump right back in. So anyway, Sarah, your hair lit on fire. Yeah, my hair lit on fire. <laughs> that was incredible. I'm so sorry. I had little short stubby hairs on the top of my head. <laughs> it, it reminds me of Lion King when, I think it was, no, it was Lion King or Prince of Egypt, one of those movies. <laughs> and they were like, Sacrifices must be made. And that's how I felt about your hair. It's like, <laughs> great shoot, but sacrifices had to be made. It was bound to happen to somebody. Yeah, we were f- throwing fire. I mean, that, now I learned why parents are like, don't play fire. <laughs> yeah. And there was a minute, too, where we flung it up, and I saw some of it land <gasps> on the roof of the building next to us. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, we're either going to make the 8 well, o'clock news or... <laughs> We're gonna get a great shoot. Or we have a great story out of it too. We'll talk about it on a podcast sometime. There you go. There you go. Either way, it'll be great PR. That, or I'll make great friends in prison. It's, it's one, of, one or the other. I would not. I would not survive. Dude, that's cool. I, I remember you showed me some pictures of the um, butterfly shoot. Yeah. And that actually was so cool. Wild. And, and what was funny was we got them on Etsy. Person was like, these were dead butterflies. And we were like, first off, is that gonna be like a humanitarian issue? Or like, is is this artist's fans gonna be like, are those dead? Did you kill you know? Secondly, we didn't know that some of them were definitely colorful moths. So the one that she had in her mouth, we couldn't glue to her mouth. The other ones were kind of like stuck on by glue. So we we speared the bug with a stick and then had her put the stick in her mouth so it looked like the bug was on her mouth. But the sad thing was it was like two inches long, like an inch in diameter, fuzzy moth body. So she was literally kissing a formaldehyde dead moth furry body <laughs> against her lips for a long time. It smelled like dead something. And uh, it's so funny. And like the photos look dreamy and wonderful and crazy. And then you see like the behind the scenes of like what's actually going on. And it's it's less than... Um, <clears throat> Appetizing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Less than like, you're like, oh, I think that's reality. We like over amp things. And then we're like, oh my gosh, like people in Hollywood. And you're like, no, if you saw them, they have sweaty arms and weird pimples. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, they are real people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is true. That is true. I, I think. That's a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. The older I get, the more I just realize there's such a facade we actually talked about this earlier in our co-write today there's such a facade in the world and what i'm realizing is most of what the world says is not true Mm. like as you grow up most of what is presented to you 
as reality mm. is actually the farthest thing from reality. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. that is sort of my thought. We is, put people on pedestals. <laughs> yeah, we put we people put on. Yeah. yeah. Or we put ourselves down as mm. if we're not as capable. Yeah. Yeah. Or not worthy enough to be at a certain level that we think others are at. Mm. Mm. I, I I think I do that. Like I do mm. that. Oftentimes. I mean, you know this. I mean, I, for all you guys listening, like I have the privilege of working with Vion and he's incredible. Um, but I think because I'm scared of being something new, I tend to put myself down. In mm. that. Like I tend to say like, because I, I think there's a healthy amount of that. Mm. Like, your place like you're in a, in a room with like real big musicians like this is a big deal for where, me even where? right now huh? yeah who <laughs> uh beyond and through juniper veil <laughs> crazy um but like and I, I think that i more have an incredible time acknowledging that like knowing that i'm in the room with professionals and i think sometimes that truly is an issue of of not allowing myself to to really grow into that but also um but also it's a great place to be to mm. just acknowledge other people as better than you at something. Mm. And then you kind of thrive in that. Like mm. um, I had the privilege of knowing Hein, who does a lot of Vian's work. And, um, and it's that it's like, I look at him, I'm like, you are an incredible artist. Like mm. this is crazy. So I think you're right, Sarah, like mm. we have the tendency to put ourselves down. I think I, I can do that sometimes, but, but better that than the opposite of that, I think. Mm, fair. I and 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 you know, maybe the best is don't do either. You know, work right. at work at trying to see yourself as honestly as you can, mm -hmm. right? Because in or insecurity is is a, is a form of dishonesty. You know, mm -hmm. so you're actually being dis it's dishonest. Prideful. Yeah. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He's an author, um, and he says. Uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm. So it's not like sometimes constantly putting yourself down is mm. still pride. Mm. And it's not, it's like, no, real humility is just don't think about yourself all the time. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing is like see yourself um, as you were created, mm. but uh, don't, don't obsess on yourself. Mm. Whether that's obsessing yourself as a bad person or as a, was good, a good person. person. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. We actually, when we were in the co-write earlier today, um, that came up, mm. and the the gentleman that we were writing with, he said exactly that. Mm. He said, "Man, the moments where I forget myself, those are the moments I live for. Those are the moments that I feel like are home." Because we were talking about the Juniper Vale project, mm. and I actually found that very instructive. You know. Uh, because essentially what he was saying was whether you obsess over being great or you obsess over being below average, mm -hmm. you're still, it's the same problem. And the problem yeah. is forget about yourself and you'll be a lot happier mm -hmm. in any yes. way, you know. Totally. Or find those places in your life where you are able to be all in and be fully present and lose track of time and forget about yourself for a moment mm -hmm. where you're, I don't know, fully involved in something that is outside of yourself. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that's, that was home, like a home mm. moment, kind of what we talked about today. Mm. Well, and if I may, because I don't want to jump, but like, I think that's what good art does. Mm. Mm. I think it's like, I mean, it can, yeah, there's elements of art that can take you through and like imagine yourself in a place, but I think in reality it tells a story that you're not a part of. Mm. And I think that's what's mm. so fascinating and captivating about it is you're like, I, I, 
we all look at the world through a lens. And so hearing a song that is being sung in a way that I don't think, I mean, there's this um, artist named Owl City who you guys might remember him as doing the song Fireflies a long time ago. But I mean, the way he sung was always so in a weird dream world of like caterpillar orchestras and like just weird stuff. But I think that was one of the reasons he got big alongside just like catchy hooks and melodies. It was like, I don't think this way. Hmm. And I'm now being brought into a story that I couldn't create because mm-hmm. I don't think that. And I think like you said, Sarah, like it's allowing us to not think about ourselves because mm. I believe our hearts like always want to. Like mm-hmm. that's a constant struggle. Hmm. And so I think that's really cool. Wow. And that what that makes me think of what you just said is I forgot who said this. I forgot where I learned this, but this has always been sort of a core t- to my philosophy when it comes to art is you want to take an old and timeless idea and present it in a new way. So you want to take the old and present it in a new a new way. So when you talk about the Owl City guy and you talk about sh- surely he made something because I remember when that Firefly song came out, yeah. man, that grabbed me. Yeah. And so it grabbed me in a way in which I felt like I had known it mm. all along, right? <laughs> but it also felt brand new. And I think there's something interesting about good art where there is this sort of feeling of forgetting yourself for mm-hmm. sure. It's as if there's something that was always in you that you never noticed. Mm. So it is something in you, but at the same time, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know no, exactly how to yeah. Isn't describe that the power it. of music though? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's wild that, I mean, I think, I know I tend to be kind of a visual person and that might be, I mean, guys are kind of maybe more visual or I don't know if that's just me or my personality, but like, I think we're visual creatures and I think it's wild that we can listen to music and a song about being hugged by 10 million fireflies like that puts you in a warm summer night out in a field. And like you're you're like closing your eyes and listening to the song and imagining yourself in this different place. I think it's wild that it can have the same effect as a movie mm. where you're watching this stuff. But it's just sound and it's just words. But like they can pair to be as strong, if not stronger than film and things that have all of those elements plus visual. Mm. You know, if you think about films, they have mm-hmm. music, they have audio and words and visual but music is something unique, you know, in that. I think so, too. And I, I would almost venture to say, I I don't know if this is true. This mm-hmm. is maybe just my opinion. But I would almost venture to say that there are so many more songs that have... Like, there are movies that make me cry. Mm-hmm. But there's something about when songs happen that, that reaches either equal depth, like you mm-hmm. say, or even deeper sometimes... With less, like it's yeah. it's bizarre. There's mm-hmm. there's less information that's being presented to me, yeah. but it it reaches deeper into my being when yeah. I when I listen to it. It's yeah, quite bizarre. There's this artist. Um, uh, I swear, I I cry so much when I listen to this artist. His name's Vion Isaac. You guys should listen. To him. <laughs> <laughs> you got some killer music that'll make oh, you weak, man. man. I agree. Wow, you guys. He's are got man. some deep stuff. Oh. Some good, some good hmm. lyrics in there. Thanks and that's the guys. thing, though. Vion Isaac is this guy. <laughs> I just got talking about him out there first, like you're not here. I'll just, I'll leave. And yeah, then. that's killer. We'll just Sarah and I will talk about him. Um, <laughs> we both fangirl. I feel like. Oh. But uh, I mean, that's the thing, though. Is like your lyrics. I'm just, I'm gonna embarrass you right here. Uh, your lyrics do take me into this different place. They, <laughs> they, but the thing is, they're so real. Like it's, I feel like my mind can disconnect some artist, some like some pop artist or some 
um, musicians where it's like, oh, okay, that's clearly romanticizing real life. Like, mm. I, I don't feel that. I don't relate to that. And there's something about your, like, sweet lyrics or, like, the kindness behind them where, one, knowing you, I know that they're authentic because you're a kind person. But, like, well, just, yeah, just in front of you. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think there's a, a cool element behind just the reality of it. Like, oh, wow. Like, I can actually picture that. Hmm. Um, plus, killer melodies. Uh, <laughs> it all works. Well, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Wait, Yeet. till album number two. <laughs> I will ball my eyes out. <laughs> He's heard s- snippets of it. I've heard snippets, and I've already cried. Uh, it's great. So if you guys, if I could encourage anyone listening to this right now, just prepare yourself. Emotionally, if you need to do yoga, whatever, <laughs> like you're going to cry. It's going to be inevitable. And embrace it. Enjoy it. I'm happy. My friends call me a certified sad boy because I was some sad music. And you know what? That's like, the best, dude. I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, that's going to stick. I'm thriving from boy. all the... But I mean... What if that's your artist name? <laughs> certified sad boy? Yes, it's going to be. I was just talking to Sarah about this and I've been thinking a lot about... Um, what resonates with people and what gets basically how to manipulate people. Um, what gets them, what gets them to give an emotional response? How do I get that from somebody like in music? If I want to connect and that's an authentic desire, how do I get someone to feel it the way I want them to? Mm. And I don't think that's manipulation. I I mean, that's a joke, but I think, Mm. I think it's really saying like, no, my heart is in this place or thinking this, how do I get someone to really see it from my perspective? Mm. Um, and I was just talking to Sarah and I was like, I think, I mean, if you look at people like Robin Williams, um, I don't know any, any, I mean, Will Smith in a lot of ways, but like Robin Williams is the best example. Cause he used to make me belly laugh as a <laughs> kid. Like he was so goofy, but the moment he got serious, I would, I would weep, mm. you know, and he could make me cry like no other actor could. Um, and I think there's, I've learned that like, if you look at all of the best, like wedding speeches and all of the best, what I, like movie like rom-coms romantic comedies they they have you laugh and i think that the laughter is such an emotional warm-up it's Mm -hmm. a you opening up to say like all right like oh i'm I'm starting to feel this guy out like um but then once you're kind of emotionally warmed up once you you laugh and you're like okay like i'm ready to be emotional with this person whether that's joy or sadness or whatever and then they hit you with the feelings you know (laughs) like all the feels then people are ready to feel and i think (laughs) that's why people it's like a kind of like a formula like in speeches you go through the jokes but then you get deep and it's (laughs) like Mm. i think that's because we've learned that people need to warm up if i just slapped you in the face with the sad song you're like i don't know who this guy is i don't know where his heart is i don't (laughs) know what anything about this guy now he's just really sad (laughs) but i think that your music is like you have the pop background you have like the the joyful powerhouse you know whatever so when you bring it down to like songs like save my heart we're like dog like i'm ready to hear this you know like i oh, i've, I've wow. gone through the highs with you mm. so i'm ready to go through the lows wow <clears throat> like emotionally warmed up so i think that's why your music gets me emotional wow but if someone was just sad music people wouldn't really feel sad with that person anymore mm. you know because it's like i want to go on like my life isn't just sad there are highs and lows right yeah I want to feel all of them. There are some artists, I mean, there are some artists that I've come across where listening to their whole album doesn't really hit me emotionally, but if Mm. I put one of their songs, like, on a mixtape with a bunch of other artists, it hits hard. Like, it's like almost the placement of the song 
almost like in a speech where you start with the laughs and then go to something sad. It's like there can be something about even like the track order of an album and, and like what's in front of it and what's behind it and like that can impact the way you experience something, which is wow. interesting. Yeah. And this is this is so interesting. What all this is making me think of is that it seems to me that there are two things that all humans, and you know, careful when you start saying all humans, but <laughs> there are two things that seems to me that humans are wired for, or, or it's something mm -hmm. at the core of our operating system or whatever. And, yeah, and then that is meaning and narrative. Mm -hmm. And I would say they're, they're tied together. So we find meaning in narrative. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about the best man speech and not hitting someone with the sad stuff right away, you know, the order of an album, I wonder, and even, you know, you can, it, it goes even smaller scale, the structure of a song, mm. right? Yeah. The structure of a song, there needs to be a structure to it that tells a story. Mm. Yeah. And, and the ones, at least for me, that tell, that evoke the best emotional response, yeah. the story structure mm. is such that when that chorus hits, yeah. it blows my mind, you yeah. know, and I, I just lose it. And then you can go even smaller and you can say each section of the song has that same pattern built into it hmm. where there needs to be a beginning of the section and an end of the yeah. section and a middle of the section and then you can go even smaller and you can say each line as mm -hmm. well has a beginning a middle and an end mm -hmm. and so it's like this this pattern russian doll type situation mm -hmm. where it zooms out and zooms out until you have an album mm -hmm. but it an album is a narrative made up of a series of sub narratives mm -hmm. And those mm -hmm. sub-narratives are made up of another series of sub-narratives. And maybe that's what makes it so interesting, mm -hmm. is it's just too complex for our mind to fully grasp mm -hmm. the whole of. That's why we keep listening to it over and over again, you know, because w we can't get enough of how all the narratives interplay with each mm -hmm. other. Anyway, that's what all that makes me yeah. think of, <laughs> is you are absolutely onto something with narrative structure mm -hmm. narrative structure plays such a role mm -hmm. in how we perceive reality mm -hmm. i mean look at how we tell stories to ourselves about mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. you know everything about our way of perceiving the world is built on narrative structure mm -hmm. well i mean i guess i have a question for both of you guys like i don't think that's how this works but like whatever <laughs> <laughs> i mean so you guys are both very seasoned artists and we're talking about narrative and like walking people through these stories and it's like, in your guys' experience, um, you know, you, you want to pour your heart out into your music, right? Like, you want to sing about things that are real, because th those are things that people will resonate with. Like, real emotion evokes real emotion, you know? But I think my question is, how specific do you guys get? Because I feel like you could be specific enough to be like, all right, clearly this is one person's situation. Yeah. Where I'm like, I was walking down the street, and this person flipped me off. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> How do you know about my next single? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a new example. Uh, I was walking down the street and Jerry said hello. And you're like, okay, mm. getting a little too specific because now I cannot yeah. relate. Like, how do you guys be like, how do you find that happy balance between like being real, mm -hmm. but also leaving it vague enough for someone to put their story into it and be like, wait, I relate to that kind of sadness because I'm feeling that here. Mm. Whereas maybe you were feeling it somewhere else. You know, like, where is that line? 
Well, I'm I just guess. shocked you don't have a friend named Jerry because <laughs> Jerry I feel said like hello. <laughs> walking down the street, you know. Everyone has a friend named Jerry. <laughs> crazy. Today. A friend Where is that line? You know. Um. Oh gosh. And it might change. That might be different for everyone. I don't know. I mean, I can talk. I'll probably be wrong, but I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> There's no wrong answer. <laughs> for me, that goes back to the old and new concept, right? So I would. Not that I want to answer for Sarah, but the best example that immediately pops into my mind is home, right? The concept of home. And that is something that is so ancient and and Mm. deeply ingrained in being human, Mm -hmm. the idea of home and belonging. There's, it can be contrived, you know, uh, which probably might not be a good thing. Like Mm. you can manipulate it into Mm -hmm. saying, well, okay, so it seems like love is what everyone wants. So I'm going to write a bunch of songs about love so that mm-hmm. I can write about what people want. And I think there are a lot of people that do that very successfully and very well. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that the people that I resonate with most and the times where I really feel like I've created something that is that, that kind of taps into that, mm-hmm. it is when I am most honest with myself about where I'm at. So what I'm learning about all of this, and I guess I'm just going to say this and hopefully (laughs) people are okay with it, but I'm not really doing this for anyone else. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for myself. So when I sit and write songs, they're for me. Mm -hmm. And, and what I'm, and that's not to be selfish or to hold them back because then I share them and that's the sort of Mm -hmm. selfless aspect of it. But when I write, I'm writing for myself mm. and I'm writing for exactly where I'm at. And if, if I'm real with myself, what I found is the moments where I'm most real with myself, it seems to me those are the moments where I create something that is relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe says something about humanity. Mm-hmm. And it maybe says that we're all way more similar and we mm-hmm. all have so much more in common when it comes to our struggles, when it comes to everything about ourselves, yeah. we're way more similar. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I realize that. Hmm. You know, I just realize we are way more similar than we are different. Well, I was going to say, I think what you said is mind-bogglingly true uh, in that no matter your background, like no matter how you were raised, what, like I truly believe every single person, they were made to be known. Like... Hmm. That's our core desire is like, I want to be known. And I think that's dangerous social media. Like no Mm. matter whose hands it's in, I'm not going to truly be vulnerable. I'm going to present myself how I want to be known. And that's not actually being known. And that's Mm. why it feels empty. Mm. Mm. And I think the selfless thing you mentioned about creating music for you, or that's, that's like the, that's not the selfless part, but like, that's the, you're creating it for you. And then you said like, I guess the selfless part is like putting out there. And I think that's the difficult part mm. is because if you're truly honest with yourself, it's hard to like put that out there because mm. then you're vulnerable. Then the mm. world actually sees who you are. And I mm. think that's when music gets good, mm. you know, and that's when the world gets good is when I actually present who I am out there. And I, I mean, I wanted to write a song in that. It's like, like to be known in that we think we know how that works. And so like, I'll put myself out there in different ways or when I get attention in different ways, but it's it's scary and hard and difficult when I actually do it. Mm. But then when you do and put yourself out there and then the people respond well, because then it opens the door for them to be real and mm. vulnerable. Yeah. 
and they go, wow. So I think that's the uh, that's part of the beauty in your music is I think there's an element of like, no, I'm just doing this for myself and this is an avenue for me to pour out. And then people are like, wait a minute, I feel all the things you just said. <laughs> you <know>? I feel all those feels. I feel like it is actually sort of selfless making the music for yourself because if you're worrying, I mean, if you're in the creative process and you're creating a song or any sort of content to put out and you're worried about what other people are going to think of it or whether it's going to like, you know, be good enough Mm. for whatever standard you have in your mind, it kind of limits you on what you're going to create and Mm. it becomes more of like a forced thing or maybe even manipulated in a way to be Mm. something that is, yeah, maybe forced as where if you're just sitting down and you're just being real with yourself and you're just letting yourself feel whatever feelings you're going through at the moment and you just pour it out, that's you. I mean, that's real and it's almost more, you're less worried about yourself and you're more just in the moment with what's real inside of you. Um, that is sort of selfless. Mm. I mean, um, like no filter, I guess, right. for a, you know, yeah. to sit and just pour something out without worrying about whether it's good or not. Because I think if you sit and worry about it too much, it just ends up being something that sits on your laptop as an idea for the rest of your mm. life. As where if you just let it out and you just make it because you need to, it just mm. becomes something almost magical and. Yeah, so I think one other thing I wanted to say is my favorite artist is Sufjan Stevens, Mm. and he has a lot of songs that are just, like, story songs about his life, like, experiences in his life. And he, the one thing I really love about him is that he doesn't ever feel like he has to explain anything. Like, he just says what he wants, Mm. and... He kind of leaves it up to the artist to figure out what he's saying if they really care enough to really know. It's like there's one song in particular that came to my mind where he's talking about, it's on his Illinois album. It's my favorite album. It's so good. And there's a song where he, he like, I don't even know what he's talking about, but he says like the ghost of Carl like mm-hmm. comes to his room and is like talking to him. Well, I was like, who's Carl? And so I looked it up, and it's like an Illinois, it's like a poet from Chicago who wrote this poem about Chicago. And um, But it's cool that he didn't care to, like, explain who Carl was. He just put, put it in there, and it related. But he left it up to me as the fan to go figure out what he was talking about. And it made it even more special to me because now every time he says Carl, I feel connected to it in a way where I can almost own knowing who he is because I went out of my way to figure it out. And I kind of like that he writes songs about things that I have no clue what he's talking about. Mm. It almost lets me kind of step into his life and, Mm -hmm. like, sit with him in the car while he's singing about, you know... Like your age-old friends, you know? Yeah. Like, because you were the fan that researched it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, every time he sings about Carl, you're like, oh, 
He's Hufian. We know who Carl yeah, is. You know, it's like kind of cool. <laughs> uh huh. Um, awesome. Another thing you mentioned something about uh, writing things that are timeless that like everyone can relate to, and when I started, when we started through Juniper Veil, vale, that was one of the things I was thinking about is like maybe we should find songs from like a hundred years ago and write about the same topics. Or like, and so we did pull a song from a hundred years ago to use in Everything is Color. And it's crazy because the topics are the exact same and it's like a hundred years ago, people were singing about the same things that we're singing about today. Boy, history repeats itself. Yeah, mm. it's crazy, so. That's wild. Yeah, I think if you're just real, people will relate. <laughs> yeah, and the, building off of that, that's, that's freaking awesome, especially the Sufjan thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's cool. He's a cool guy. You guys are friends. Yeah, I like him. You know. <laughs> but to build to build off of that, what what you said or what this all made me think of further was that there were a few ancient cultures that approached because because you were talking, Sarah, earlier about when you're sitting there and you're writing a song and comes out and it's just you like that's pure just you and what that made me think of is i think to some of my songs uh you know a song like mostly or save my heart mm-hmm. right well going back to the ancient cultures thing they're like the greeks for example they believed that there were spirit like entities that were the embodiment of certain emotions so rage when someone is consumed by rage the way they conceptualized it is they literally thought the being called rage entered that person and expressed itself through that person you know and so if you conceptualize emotions and emotional states as something that isn't fully part of you, but maybe something that you get to partake in mm-hmm. uh, spiritually and, and, and sort of in moments, then when you create those songs, what you're really doing is you're not even creating things that are you, but you are presenting those emotions that everyone gets consumed by mm. in a way that's tangible for other people to, mm. to, to hear, mm. you know? Because at least for me, the times I found like that were the most uh, fulfilling, I guess, was when that happened. When it was like an expression of a pure emotion. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, I guess, it, like, you know, I know we had talked about what ev- what evokes emotion. Like that was a discussion we had um, together a little while ago. Was like, what is the difference in how different styles of music evoke emotion differently? I think that's kind of the the final question. I mean, there's so many elements to music. I mean, in lyrics and instrumentation and style of music and all of that. And you're like, how how do you evoke the type of emotion you want to in, in your audience? Um, and I, I was thinking about that earlier because we had talked about, I mean, I don't know, what do you think? Like pop and ballads. I mean, mm-hmm. that was such a fascinating conversation mm-hmm. to me. I'd love to bring people in on it. The best. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> Let's jump into that pop pop versus ballads uh authentic or not authentic but sort of analog 
real sounds versus synthetic sounds. Yes, I forgot. And yeah. the and the the precision of of synthetic sounds, the precision of dance music, versus the imprecision and the sort of fluid nature of grabbing something in the room, mm. and how I'm just catching myself up on this conversation we had yeah, earlier, yeah. but there are sort of two philosophies you can take. There are probably many philosophies you can take when recording music, but two that I have found that sort of oppose each other and you, you can sort of play with the tension between the two is capturing a moment in a room or manipulating the sound in the box or in the computer to generate a certain response. So another way to look at that is with dance music and with completely sampled synthetic music, what you're doing is, is you're throwing together a bunch of pieces to construct an emotional arc. And so you have a lot more control over the situation, and it's a different type of feeling. So when I listen to pop music, it's a different feeling because you are, you are constructing an emotional arc. Then there's the other side of things where you, you throw up microphones in a room and you capture a performance. Maybe it's per performance-based more, right? So you capture performance, and the truth of the matter is the performance is imperfect. So when you compare the two and you put it up to a purely technical standard, the EDM or the synthetic pop music always wins because mm. it's, it'll always be technically better than a performance. Yeah. However, there is something about hearing performance-based music that evokes an emotional response. Mm. And so my thought is, is it something maybe that we haven't fully figured out, but perhaps it is the summation of all the imperfections and all of the, the humanity of it that ultimately when you sum all those things together, it creates something that is emotionally engaging. Whereas with the pop music or the synthetic music, it's the same thing, but it's all done with precision and with perfection, in perfection and, in yeah. and intent in mind. So the intent is in every little thing. And you can say that with a musician as well performing in a room, but it will never be as perfect as... I don't know. I'd be curious what you guys think, but that's kind of my first thought. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I think there are elements... and I, What's fascinating to me is, I, again... I'm, I'm a very new new into the artist world, and right now I'm just captivated by the pop synthetic. And I think what, what cracks me up is, I mean, I'll see so many of these artists like, yeah, we're doing percussion with, like, an oatmeal can, a Coke can. <laughs> I'm like, the funny thing is that has n that does not entice me in the least. And I'm a certified sad boy. So, <laughs> so really, I mean, I should be wanting to feel all of the imperfections. You should be playing ice cream tins. Yeah, oh, let's do it. Let's go get some <laughs> blue bell. I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but like, because it's a brand. No, but, um, but yeah, like, and the funny thing is when I, I love to consume it, like, like save my heart and all those things that are very acoustic and very raw and stripped down, I want to feel that. And that's what makes me certified as the sad boy. But in the creation level, like, I, and I think what it is, is I might sometimes use it as a crutch. Mm. I think sometimes I'm saying since I'm new, I would rather things sound kind of like perfect mm. uh, than like dig into. And I think I'm I'm starting to unveil <laughs> that now as I talk. <laughs> but uh, I think what one thing I was thinking of is like, 
you know what you're doing like you said when you when you use the acoustic the raw the you know unsynthetic it's it's taking away aspects of perfection and i think this connects to what we were talking about earlier is authenticity and mm. wanting to be I'm not perfect. Mm. I'm not whatever. I think people who are on Instagram, social media, they want to pretend like that. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, like I have double chins. Look at me. I'm like, <laughs> no, but you're still doing it the way you want to be perceived. Yeah. Like even if you're being quote unquote real. But I think what's wild with, with that is you're pulling away something that would make it perfection, whether that's perfect timing or mm. perfect sound or like we were talking about strings or Vienna and I were talking about strings and um, it was like, no, like real strings, they're the slight little scratches and the slight things that you're like, that's beauty because it's real. And I was thinking about that and trying to relate that to photography. And I was thinking about why do we still do black and white ever? Like we have the technology, like we can, the technologies, we have it. Um, but I think what it is is if you look, and I have not researched this, someone's going to contact me and be like, you're an idiot. That's not <laughs> why. But like my hunch is in photography, if you look back at when black and white was a necessity because there wasn't another option, it wasn't about the Instagram poses or the whatever in front of the, you know, it was about capturing a real moment. That's what, a photog that's what photography was back then in black and white days. And I think nowadays, black and white, even though we've stripped it of the perfection, kind of like the acoustic to the synthetic, we stripped it of perfection, meaning we've taken f color out of it, which that's an imperfect photo. That's not real life. But what that does is it, A, forces us to look at the subject instead of the coloration. It takes one mm -hmm. thing out of it. But I think it's also saying, like, no, back when it was black and white, that was taken of a little kid holding a stuffed animal walking down the street or whatever it was. Like, it was just stories mm -hmm. that they told and it wasn't i mean like with synthetic you can evoke emotion it's just not going to be the same response and i think it's the same way i see a black and white i know i need to feel something like mm -hmm. because it's stripped away stuff i'm forced to look at the subject and i'm forced to say like this is a glimpse into life it's not a posed thing it's not whatever and we can make it that but um i think that was a strong correlation in my mind of mm -hmm. acoustic to black and white versus synthetic to color and mm -hmm. Um, adding things, I can I can make color look however the heck I want. Black and white, I'm pretty limited. Huh. Um, you know, black and so white, <coughs> pretty much, right? What? Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty white. much it. I think those are your options. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow, yeah. wow, that's fascinating. That yeah, I don't know. it's not tested. Yeah, it's no, but you know what? The funny thing is, what you just said made me uh, play devil's advocate and start realizing that perhaps there is something to be said for synthesized mm. music mm. Uh, or something real about yeah. synth synthetic music. Yeah. Uh, so if I may Please. take us on this little journey quickly. Take me there. All right. <laughs> I want to go. Buckling up. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> uh, so Hello, listener. Thank you so much for listening to the first half of episode 12 of Sounds About Music. If you want to hear the full episode, go to vianisaac.com slash soundsaboutmusic and join my album number two club. Thanks so much for listening.